Real quick, let me just start off by saying this is Peter Rosenberg, your forever 24-7 champion, host of the Cheap Heat Podcast. And I want to shout out the Will Wonder Podcast. You know what I wonder? What amazing takes will be given today on this show? Will I ever get the nod, the invite to be a guest on this show? Will I ever feel like coming on the show if I get that invite? We don't know. But you're checking out the Will Wonder Podcast. What is up, everybody? Episode 82 of the Will Wonder Pod. Thank you all for coming back. If you've rocked with us for all 82 weeks, I appreciate you so much. Show? I don't know why I said it like that. I appreciate you so much. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking us out. If you come back periodically, I got a lot of love for you too. From the jump, I owe a big birthday shout out to my guy Sebastian who actually had his birthday last week now Sebastian hasn't come out on the pod in quite a while but I do see him nearly every Sunday at our workouts and I cannot believe I failed to mention last week that his birthday was coming up the 6th of July happy birthday to you my brother uh and I felt bad because his birthday fell on the same day as the three-on-three tourney that I had talked about last week so three-on-three basketball tournament Five games is what we played, 96 to 99 degree weather. We went two and five. Not bad. We lost one in overtime. Uh, Another game that we lost, we were down by like nine, came back, ended up losing by three. It was a lot of fun, but my body hurt so bad afterward. So bad. Somehow got a bruise on the side of my heel. Like, I guess this is just what 36 is, you know what I mean? And it's just going to keep being tough from here on out but you all know my goal is to be able to play ball with my son until he's about 16 and then I'm just gonna let him go on and do his own thing so cross your fingers for me uh hopefully we can make that happen so as I said we had that three-on-three tourney I also was able to check out some summer league games went to uh Tuesday's games last week where Chet went off and we'll get into summer league stuff here in a little bit Also was able to take my wife and my son to some games on Thursday, which was a lot of fun. Again, we were trying to ease my son into going to these sporting events. He's a four-year-old. Not a lot of four-year-olds have, you know, the attention span to sit through games or sit through anything for that matter. But he did a great job. He had a lot of fun. Tried his damnedest to get on the Jumbotron dancing, but but they, uh, they didn't catch him. Friday night, we took him to a Salt Lake City Bees game. For those of you who don't know, the Bees are the minor league affiliate to the uh, Angels, uh, the MLB team. So, man, we had a ton of fun with that. We actually stayed through the eighth inning, and um, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Other than that, we've just been, man, staying busy. I I don't remember if I I had given my update for my classes last week, but I ended up getting a B+. Unfortunately, not an A minus, but that'll be okay. Uh, we'll figure it out. Still stay on that dean's list. Eight more classes left, including the one I'm in. So April 2023, there's going to be some sort of graduation party. I don't know what that is, but it's going down. <laughs> Speaking of, I got to start planning something for the hundredth episode. Should hit somewhere in November. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to try to figure things out there. Again, we're at 82, 18 episodes away, but before you know it, we will be there. Uh, let's see, man, we got some NFL news, <laughs> kind of, 
Uh, we find out that Zach Wilson is the NFL uh, quarterback version of Paul Finch from American Pie. Shout out to Stifler's mom. If you don't get that, don't understand what I'm saying, it's okay. I know for sure we will cover it again later in the year when Hoop, Chacon, and I do the NFL season preview. But that has to be one of the funniest off-season stories in the NFL in quite some time. All right, let's hop into the NBA Summer League. First night, Chet was crowned the best rookie in the past 20 years, post-LeBron James, right? And then he came back down to earth a bit. Kenny Lofton Jr. bodied him up. Kenny Lofton Jr. might not even make an NBA team, if we're going to be honest. Memphis has a lot of rookies in front of him. Memphis has a very deep roster. I hope Kenny Lofton Jr. makes it, but we will we will see. Again, Chet comes back down to earth. Paolo looks like he might be the real deal. Through two games, solid performance, though his turnovers are a bit of a concern, especially since he's in summer league. Jabari's looked good so far. A lot of rookies have looked good. There's been a lot of injuries as well. Uh, I want everyone to remember this about summer league. I think it's something like 75 to 80% of the players that you see in these games will never see minutes in the NBA nor will they get a contract past their summer league deal, right? Which is a lot less than what I thought it was. Um, Let's just do this. Let's look at the past MVPs from the summer league. Tracked since 2006. Last year, Davion Mitchell, Cameron Thomas. 2019, Brandon Clark. 2018, Josh Hart. 2017, Lonzo Ball. 2016, Tyus Jones. 15, Kyle Anderson. 2014, Glenn Rice Jr. 2013, Jonas Valanciunas. 2012, Josh Selby was co-MVP with Dame Lillard. 2010, you get John Wall. 2009, Blake Griffin. 08, Jared Bayless. 07, Nate Robinson. 06, Randy Foy. I bring that up because you may see somebody in Summer League that is balling out, that looks amazing, that you're like, why, why isn't that guy, why wasn't that guy drafted higher? Well, there you have your MVPs. Where's Glenn Rice Jr. now? Tyus Jones has made a nice career for himself. Josh Hart's still in the NBA. Brandon Clark. A lot of these guys are still there. Josh Selby, I don't believe, is in the league anymore. Blake Griffin had his, you know, star run. John Wall hasn't even played the last two years, now playing with the Clippers, but I think he'll bounce back. Jared Bayless, I don't believe he's in the league anymore. Nor did any of these guys really have super all-star years minus Dame Lillard, right? So take it with a grain of salt on how some of these guys perform in the summer league. There are guys that you look at and you can just tell that they're going to be good. Again, I feel that way about Paolo. I felt that way prior to Orlando drafting him. Again, I didn't want Orlando to take him. But I'm not quite as upset anymore. I think Jabari looks good. I think with Chet, his instincts are there. But again, in the NBA, if you get guys like Kenny Lofton Jr. who are going at him heavy and and can do what he did to him, like what does that say about when a bigger guy like Joel Embiid is is being defended by him? And now, now by no means do I think Chet will, will OKC put Chet against Joel Embiid. But there will be times where he's going to be switched on him. By that time, it's just, you know, what does Shaq say? Barbecue chicken. In any event, don't put too much into the summer league, but also watch it because it's a lot of fun. 
<laughs> and it seems like it's growing like crazy. It used to be stadiums weren't very filled, uh, but now it just looks like it's packed constantly, even for games like, you know, the Milwaukee-Boston game, which came down to the very end. A lot of those dudes aren't going to be anywhere near an NBA team. But if you love basketball, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, with the f- Summer League in full swing, I kind of thought more trades would be happening or more trades would be coming. Utah still has a move to make in either Conley or Bogdanovich, maybe both. Colin Sexton still doesn't have a team to play for, and he's been linked to the Jazz and the Heat. He can for sure score, but I think it says a little bit about him that, you know, and about his game, really, that Cleveland isn't interested in bringing him back. Time will tell, but a backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Colin Sexton is really small and kind of weird to me. Great scoring, but defensively not great. And again, very, very small. Um, I think he makes more sense for the Heat. Now, as I'm recording this, just now, my group text with Jazz Nation and a number of other close friends, Tom Fitton, Luis, Rob, Steady, who everyone knows has been on this podcast, uh, a couple of these guys multiple times. They're talking about Donovan Mitchell being traded because most of these guys are jazz fans. And as I host a co-host, a jazz, the jazz nation podcast, this is something very interesting. So Tony Jones, who covers the Utah jazz says, expect the New York Knicks to quickly try and put together a package for Donovan Mitchell. According to league sources, Utah's bar for trading Mitchell is sky high. Utah's bar for trading Mitchell is sky high, he says. I said that twice, my bad. But the Knicks are a team that has the assets to make this a conversation. Let's be clear about this. The Jazz are currently not close to a Donovan Mitchell trade, and much like Gobert, they have no issues whatsoever keeping him. Either a team is going to meet the bar to make this a convo, or he will be a Jazz man. They are not giving him away. So why would Tony Jones report this? I say this all the time and I get made fun of for it where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't know why he would put this out there. Tony generally think keeps things close to the to the vest, right? Very, very interesting. And he said it all there. You know, they aren't, unless the package is huge, they are fine keeping him. But it's an interesting time for this to come out. Right when I'm reading this, my notes here talking about trades and trades not happening. So why haven't a lot of trades happened? Well, KD and Kyrie, but mostly KD. Both of those guys wanting out of Brooklyn. It's been said a million times, but the Gobert trade has reset the market. And it's going to make it very, very difficult for any team to trade for KD. They will need to come with what kids call a bag, but the bag of all bags. Four to five first-round unprotected picks, three to four solid players, probably one fringe all-star to add to that. And my question is, why would a team want to do that? Why would you want to trade all of that for Kevin Durant? No doubt he is one of the most gifted players probably ever in the history of the game. The way he can score, the way he can handle the ball, how tall and long he is, very smart on the court. But he's getting older. He's 33 years old. Not old, older for sure. When you add that age to some of the injuries that he's had in the past couple of years, 
I find it hard to believe that a team, unless they are right there on the brink of getting a championship, Phoenix Suns, would be interested in giving their entire future away (laughs) to get one championship. I just don't see it happening. My guess is KD and Kyrie end up running it back in Brooklyn. Brooklyn makes some type of change. I don't know. Uh, And by change, I mean uh, internal personnel, because there has to be a reason KD and Kyrie don't want to be there. There's got to be someone that they don't like. When in actuality, they've been given the keys to the organization, been able to make all these changes. So it's kind of an awful situation to be in for Brooklyn. And I don't know if any other team, want again, wants to give up all of that for KD for, you know, a possible run the next two, maybe three years. I know he's under contract for at least three. Hold tight. Things will start to happen. But again, in Brooklyn, I'm almost going to say that they stay put and then other teams are just going to move on and make their trades. Again, like this New York Knicks, Tony Jones reported, possible trade for Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. Hold on to your butts, folks. Something's going to happen. They're all out there in Las Vegas. They're all hanging out, chopping it up. So it's bound to happen. All right, coming up, I have a very fun record shop. I go over Nas's Life is Good album, hitting the 10-year anniversary July 13th. I love this album. I feel like it's slept on, and, uh, you know, I go over it in the record shop itself. But to me, it's a top three Nas album all time, and I actually put it in the top 10 albums from 2010 to 2019. So I hope you enjoy that. Afterwards... We will have an I wonder, kind of a dark I wonder, if I'm going to be honest. But I've been I've been going down this dark road recently. More more on that in I wonder. But first, we have a word from my guy, Dre Rocca. Thanks a lot, Will. So look, I'm not going to take too much time. I just want to introduce myself. My name is Dre Rocca. I am a podcaster, father, husband. I do YouTube content and I keep it lit on Instagram. Make sure you follow me for daily content and daily entertainment. I'm here to make you laugh because we all know this crazy world, we need a release. So let me be that release and follow me at Dre Rocka, that's D-R-E-R-A-W-K-A, or go onto my website, allrock.com. Now back to the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the record shop. Hope you all have been well, and I hope you enjoyed the last record shop we did for 444 with my friend Alonzo Oliver from the Young OG Perspective. I'm going to have guests coming here in the future to discuss other albums, other singles, but today it's just me, and we are talking about the 10-year anniversary of Nas's Life is Good. Life is Good is honestly one of my favorite Nas albums, Uh, And like I said, the 10-year anniversary is coming up July 13th. So that is what we are covering this week. Life is Good is Nas's 11th album, 12th if you actually count the Lost Tapes as an actual album. Prior to Life is Good, Nas had released the album Distant Relatives with Damian Marley, which featured As We Enter... As we enter, come the 
Nas was also going through a lot of stuff in his personal life as he was going through a divorce with his wife of four years, singer Khalees. During this divorce, Nas started working on Life is Good. Now, the first song we get off the album actually came out in August of 2011, 11 months prior to the album actually being released. The first single was titled Nasty. Nasty features the heavily sampled Bob James song, Take Me to the Mardi Gras. Like I said, that's a very classic sample, sampled over 455 times. Everything from Run DMC's Peter Piper, NWA Straight Outta Compton, ASAP Rocky's Max B, Beastie Boys, PM Dawn. I could go on and on and on. But back to life is good. Like I said, Nasty was released 11 months prior to the album being released. July 13th, 2012, we get Nas's Life is Good. The top songs on Billboard at the time are Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Payphone by Maroon 5 featuring Wiz Khalifa. Somebody I Used to Know by Gautier. Katy Perry's Wide Awake. And at number five was Where Have You Been by the newly minted billionaire Rihanna. As you can tell, as far as hip hop goes, there's nothing in that top five. But the top hip hop song in America at that point was none other than Mercy off of Good Music's Cold Summer album. Like I said, great song, great album. I listen to Cold Summer every month or so. So if you haven't checked that out or you haven't listened to it in a while, go back and check it out. Back to Life is Good. With everything going on in Nas's life, this became a very personal album for him. We'll get into some of the songs here in a minute. But if you take a look at the Life is Good album cover, the photo was taken of Nas in a very nice white suit sitting in a nightclub's VIP lounge, kind of appearing over it, really, holding over his knee Khalees' actual green wedding dress. Nas would later say that was all that she had left him, the only item she had left behind. In Billboard magazine, he said, when I started working on the record, I tried to avoid it. Speaking of his divorce... The timing was just calling for me to not avoid all that shit that was going on out there. It was like a 10,000-ton gorilla in the room watching me. This is the way I got it off my chest. The album talks about life, love, money. It talks about the fact that marriage is expensive, 
Life is Good represents the most beautiful, dramatic, and heavy moments in my life. Getting into production and features for the album, most songs are produced by No ID or Salam Remy, but the album also features production from Swizz Beats, Justice League, DJ Hot Day, 40, yes, OVO 40, Buck Wild, Rodney Jerkins, and it features artists Large Professor, Rick Ross, Mary J. Blige, Anthony Hamilton, Miguel, Victoria Monet, Amy Winehouse, and then on the deluxe version, you get Cocaine 80s as well. All right, let's hop into the album. Life is Good starts out with the track No Introduction, produced by Justice League. No Introduction features a sample of Kirk Franklin's Don't Cry. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not big into gospel music, but Kirk Franklin and God's Property had a banger back in like 97, 98-ish with Stomp. If you were like me and didn't have cable, you watched the box for music videos, Channel 58 in Utah, where you would call in and request videos for like two bucks. Stomp always played on there. Anyway, back to Life is Good. The second track we get is Locomotive, produced by No ID. Locomotive features Large Professor. If you remember the beef between Jay-Z and Nas, Large Professor was the guy Nas was on tour with when Jay showed him his first tech. Listen, I love Nas, but Jay won the battle. Just gonna leave it out there. Locomotive had two really great lines in it. The first one I say often. I say that when someone's in the position that they don't deserve to be in. Maybe it's hate, maybe it's the truth, I don't know. The other line is... That's such a vivid line that most people can honestly relate to. At one point in your life, you were super excited to grab a piece of pizza and it was way too hot. It burned the roof of your mouth and you had a little bit of dead skin hanging down. Is that gross? Yes. But it... Everyone has done that, and Nas just paints that picture so vividly. He's one of the best to do it, and it's really so simple and effortless for him. I should be clear here, by the way, I'm not going through every single track on the album. I want you to go and actually listen to it, but I'm going to hit some of my favorites off of the album. So, next up, one of the singles off the album, Accident Murderer, Produced by No ID and featuring Rick Ross. Accident Murder has two very classic hip hop songs as samples. The first one is MC Shan's The Bridge. You love to hear the story again and again of how it 
and Biz Marquis. Make the music with your mouth, Biz. The next single that would come off the album is Daughters, produced by No ID, where Nas talks about how difficult it is to be a father of a young lady in the 2010s. This morning I got a call, nearly split my wig. The social network said Nas, go and get your kids. She's on Twitter. I know she ain't gonna post no pictures. Daughters features the sample Dust to Dust by Cloud9. Daughters has a line at the end of the song that I often tell my close friends that have daughters. They say the coolest players and foulest heartbreakers in the world. God gets us back, he makes us have precious little girls. Shout out to my brothers Chacon and Dustin. (laughs) Uh, One of the songs I used to play, moving on, early in the night when I would DJ in different clubs and different parties was Reach Out featuring Mary J. Blige. Reach Out samples Isaac Hayes, Ike's Mood 1. Another classic sample, by the way. It also samples DJ Hot Day's Once in a Lifetime. Summer on Smash is the next record I'm going to get into off of Life is Good. A fun record produced by Swizz Beach featuring Miguel. Though it's a good record, I wanted a bit more out of it, to be honest. But let me just play a little bit. Tell me what you think. Ciroc on Smash. I believe that was the summer I became a Ciroc boy. (laughs) Anyways, next up, one of the hardest records on the album. The name of this song is called The Dawn. This song was originally produced by Heavy D. After he had passed, the beat was adopted by Salam Remy. The Don samples a classic Super Cat record called Dance in a New York. Next up, we have Bye Baby, produced by Salam Remy and 40. Yes, again, 40 from OVO for all the young kids that are listening to this. Uh, This is a record where Nas gets really, really personal, discussing his wife, ex-wife, I should say, Khalees, marriage counseling, their divorce, and everything that went into it. You know why I had to leave Seven months in your pregnancy About to have my seed Let's take it back some years Rewind it to the happy years You 
when you're Star Trek fam, I'm thinking you can't win. For those who don't know what he's talking about there, Star Trek family, Khalees was originally signed to Star Trek, which was Pharrell and Chad Hugo's label. They made a ton of hits. Khalees, not so many. Milkshake, I hate you so much right now, bossy. But that's neither here nor there. Bye Baby samples Goodbye Love by Guy. By Baby also samples a Kalish record caught out there. Interesting he would sample one of his ex-wife's songs on a song about her and their divorce. In any event, the last song and the one that is most personal to me that I'm going to cover off of Life is Good is Cherry Wine featuring Amy Winehouse. This is also produced by Salam Remy. Cherry Wine samples Lou Donaldson's It's Your Thing. It's interesting the relationship that Nas and Amy Winehouse cultivated. They only hung out one time, but apparently they talked many times over the phone. Uh, later that year, after the passing of Amy Winehouse, a record came out that they had also recorded by the name of Like Smoke, another great record. Like I said, Cherry Wine is a very personal record to me, so why is that? It's a record that I always dedicate to my wife, one that even before we were officially dating, quote-unquote, this song would play in my head after I would talk to her, when it would come on and when I would listen to it, I would think of her or when I would see her just passing by, it would come on in my head. I know that may sound a little corny to some of you, but it's 100% real. To this day when I hear it, all I think about is her. The hook, the lyrics speak to my soul and to what she means to me, really. Anyway, I'm not going to get all mushy here in the record shop. We'll save that for R&B night, maybe Boys to Men uh, record shop as yet, 112. I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get to that point. <laughs> Life is Good received a Grammy nomination in the category of Best Rap Album for the 2013 Grammy Awards. Unfortunately, it didn't win. That year, the Grammys gave Drake's Take Care the Best Rap Album. Meh. Looking back at it, Maybe, maybe. Life is Good ended up going gold in the U.S. And like I said, it is one of my all-time favorite Nas albums. He has a bunch of classics, but to me, this is up there probably top three. If you haven't heard it, or again, maybe you haven't re-listened to it in a while, make sure you go stream it. It's available on all DSPs. Shout out to my guy, Host, from the Beans and Rice podcast, though. He let me know 
that the bonus ver- or the deluxe version of the album, rather, one of the bonus songs, Trust, isn't on Spotify or Tidal. So if you want the full album, well, the full U.S. bonus album, deluxe album, <laughs> you're going to have to listen to it on Apple Music. Speaking of my guy hosts, in the event there isn't any special surprise hip-hop album drops between now and the first week in August, I want to give you a preview of what hosts and I will be reviewing in the record shop the first week of August. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see y'all next time on The Record Shop. Peace. I wonder for this week, like I said in the intro, I've been going down a bit of a dark rabbit hole, right? For whatever reason, I'm not unlike other people. I'm very interested in serial killers and why they do things they do. Listen to a lot of podcasts recently on Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Charles Manson. We watch a ton of different uh, documentaries on Netflix about them. Most recently, I was listening to one on Ted Bundy. He had a confirmed 35 murders. So then I got to thinking, you know, he's by far the most famous, but who has the, who has the most murders when it comes to serial killers? And it was someone that I had never even heard of. This gentleman's name is Luis Garavito. So from 1992 to 1999, he has... 193 confirmed victims. 193 murders. They say it could be a possibility of 300 plus. He was known as La Bestia, the Beast. He killed in Colombia, Ecuador, as well as Venezuela from, again, 92 to 99. Suspected of murdering over 300 victims, mostly street children, He was originally sentenced to 1,853 years in prison. But this was later reduced to 22 years after he led police to many of the uh, bodies of the victims, which is crazy. So he is scheduled to become eligible for parole. Doesn't mean he's going to get it in 2023 next year. Seems ridiculous. But anyways, there you have it. 193 victims, Luis Garavito, a.k.a. The Beast or La Bestia. All right, I promise I won't go that dark again until we get around Halloween and we do the 31 days of, of horror, or 31 days of Halloween, rather, uh, here on the Will Wonder Pod. I want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram, at the Will Wonder Pod. Follow me on Twitter, at DJ Will Wonder. As always, if you are in Utah this fall, make sure to vote out Mike Lee, and we will see y'all next week. Peace. 
please subscribe, write, and review. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace out. <laughs>